Good day to you, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Film Focus, episode 139, the top 10 films of 2021. Gentlemen of the North, South, East, and West, and welcome to another episode of Film Focus. I'm your host, the Hypersonic 55, and I'm glad you decided to join me once again for some film-related discussion. And here we are at the end of December. And to be honest, films this year have been an interesting mix. For the longest time, I wasn't sure that I was actually going to find any good content this year, or at least any memorable content that would be working for me. The first half of 2021 was just a bit bland, especially since we were subjected primarily to streaming. But once the cinemas opened up over here in the UK at least, I finally started to get a taste of things that I liked during the August to September period when the Suicide Squad and Shang-Chi showed up and I'm like, okay, there may be hope for this year yet. And then most of my favorite experiences that I caught this year were in that latter half of the year. Now, while these films in this list are technically in order, at the same time, I could switch a number of them around at any given point. I just put them in an order just because, you know, it's kind of fun to see where certain things stack and, you know, that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Okay, so before we get into the top 10 proper, I just wanted to highlight four films that were in the runner-up position. They were in the top 10 at one point or another, but as the latter side of the year came around, a few of them just slowly bumped out of the list. So first you have Pirates, which was that Reggie Yates film that showed up around a month ago. It was just really nice to see this film debut from Yates telling this unique yet familiar kind of story with three guys who have been friends for a while and are trying to get into a New Year's Eve party, which is virtually sold out. It was fun, it was quirky, and it really captured that vibe of the late 90s slash early 2000s. The performances from the three main leads was really fun, and it was just a simple yet effective story. Next up is Last Night in Soho, a film that, I'm not going to lie, I wasn't as keen on as everybody else. I was intrigued, captivated, and was very, you know, just curious to see how things would play out. It was wonderfully crafted, visually incredible, and there was some good stuff done with the uh, film score and the soundtrack was lovely. The performances from everybody involved was really good. I just got hung up on some of the plot ideas and the way in which the final wax sort of wrapped up. Then you have Candyman. Now, I thought this new one was pretty good. There was some nice inventive stuff that they did with the kills and the way in which they updated the mythology from the original into this new one was pretty cool. I will admit the film did end a little abruptly and there was a just a bit more of the film I would have wanted to see. I felt like the film would have been a little bit more effective if there was like maybe just 10 to 20 more minutes just to build on some of the other plot elements. But overall it was still a very good time. And then you have Nobody. I kept forgetting I even saw this film. I missed it when it came out in the cinema and then watched it when it came out on streaming, I think around late September or October. 
And I was like, yo, man, this film is actually pretty cool. I love Bob Odenkirk in anything, and he was really good in this film. I thought from the trailers that I was going to get some sort of weird John Knock ripoff, but it ended up being so much more than that. It was really nicely crafted, it had a fun story, and I just liked how interesting, violent, and just unassuming it was. Alright, so now it's time to get into the top 10 proper with Ghostbusters Afterlife. Now, I remember before this film was coming out, I went from being mildly excited to being, okay, this could be something special. Primarily once we had the first set of trailers come out, I was like, yo, okay, this has got that Stranger Things kind of feel to it, but I'm into it right now. Set a good number of decades after the original, and it felt like this was going to be the first proper sequel to those original films. And what I appreciated about this film was how it was able to capture that tone and felt like proper continuity from where we were in the 1980s to where we are now. And while the film definitely draws on the fan service and nostalgia of the original films to a pretty heavy degree, it has its heart in the right place, its cast were really good and played off of each other pretty well, and the visual style of the film was good and the visual effects were pretty cool as well. It was just nice to see a modern take on Ghostbusters that just felt correct, you know? And the heart in this film, good lord, this story goes for a lot of dramatic emotional material and when it gets to those key points, it hits those feels so well to the point where it outweighs any sort of negatives I had for the film. By the time it was over, I'm just like, yo, I have a good feeling in my soul right now. Ghostbusters Afterlife just, it hit the right notes in the right ways. Next up at nine, we have Malignant. Now, this was a film when I first saw the trailer, I'm like, okay, well, this seems to be hitting certain horror cliches and conventions that I'm aware of. So I probably won't give this a watch, even though there are some interesting visuals going on. But I ended up watching it because there was a interesting sort of mixed reception online but there was a lot of people talking about how crazy it was so i was like okay let me just give this a watch and may it ended up being one of my favorites almost immediately after i watched it because at first it plays out as a conventional horror film and in certain ways it feels like it's a step below the kind of quality you'd want from a james wan horror film However, as the story progresses, there are certain hints to what's actually going on. But once the shackles are let off and this film is allowed to be what it truly is, it just goes nuts. This film is insane and I loved it. It just turns into this weird, crazy, over-the-top film with action and thriller vibes on top of the whole horror thing. And while the film isn't necessarily scary, I think the mood and atmosphere is excellent. The presentation, the way in which this is filmed and the action is done, is flawless and mate you can see why someone like James Wan was hired to go into the world of Aquaman because he definitely has an eye for presentation. I also like the film score and the central performance from Annabelle Wallace was also quite good as well. I just think that some people were expecting something and then got something else or there are certain people that once the film presented what it actually was found that that was the only entertaining aspect of the film, which I can understand that sentiment, but I enjoyed just seeing the film from the outset progress and then turn into the madness that it was in the end. It was a good time for me. 
All right, so next up at number eight is The Hard Day Fall. I'm really annoyed it took me so long to watch this film on Netflix because I said from the outset that I was interested in this, but timing-wise, I think just because October I really got busy with work and stuff, I had to put it off watching it until around November. But man, this film was fun. It was interesting to see a Western where they had taken a lot of those classic elements, but then spruced it up with certain modern things when it comes to filming techniques, the editing, and the choice of music as well, which features a lot more modern, more recognizable songs in like, you know, the world of black music, but the way in which it's implemented, it felt correct and nicely handled. And it was cool to see this black cast just get to flex their muscles. A lot of these people that you're familiar with, whether they be like long-term established actors or up-and-coming people or people that you have seen around for the last few years who are really starting to come into their own, it was just great to see certain people like Jonathan Majors, Idris Elba, Zazie Beetz, Regina King, Delroy Lindo and R.J. Siler and Lakef Stanfield. You know, there's all these guys were really good. But I like seeing this story, even though the characters are real, the situations that they were in in this story were fictional. But it was still a great fictional tale that felt familiar, yet had really good execution. I liked the way the action was done, the story was pretty captivating, and seeing Nat Love and Rufus Buck come from their respective backgrounds, along with their gangs, and then eventually clash at the end of the film, really good, solid stuff. Next up at number seven, we have West Side Story. Now, as I said before, I was interested to see how a well-established director like Steven Spielberg was going to take a well-established musical and then make it his own. And while this definitely felt like just a more run-of-the-mill remake, except just with modern filming techniques, I felt like the execution of the presentation of this film was fabulous. I liked the way this film looked. I loved the way the dancing and the camera work was choreographed. The musical performances from everybody involved was so good. And the music itself, it definitely is timeless. And even though this is a new interpretation, it's done really well. I like the cast. I just had a good time with it. And while there are certain elements about the story and I guess some of the characters that can be viewed as problematic, I still think it's worth a watch. Okay, so at number six, we have The Suicide Squad from director James Gunn. From the outset, I said that this film was going to be special because James Gunn has yet to make a film that I don't like. And I thought with his sort of quirky sensibilities, he'd be able to add to The Suicide Squad in a way that the 2016 film couldn't. The 2016 film, we've all said it before, but it needs to be said again, was a mess, convoluted, choppy, and it artificially tried to make you care about these characters when in actuality you only really gave a crap about two of them and that was because they were two of the most noteworthy stars in Hollywood at the time talking about Margot Robbie and Will Smith whereas with this film you have a nice eclectic group of actors who are really good at their jobs and really good at playing these characters and there is such a crazy big cast of characters who several of them get killed off in really creative and imaginative ways but the core characters that you get in this film, they have depth, they have good banter, they all work off of each other really well, and everybody in this film looked like they were having fun. And the way in which this film is executed, it has a great blend of comedy, action, over-the-top violence, and just chaos, but in the perfect way. This film 
felt so nice to watch and it was definitely one of the highlights of the year for me. Next up at number five, we have The Green Knight. Now, this was a film I'd seen people talking about for months by the time I got around to watching it. And I was like, okay, this film can't be all that because sometimes there are certain films that come out that have the film community talking. And sometimes it might just be those elitist bastards just going on to saying, oh yeah, this film is really good, blah, 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 blah. And you end up watching it, you're just like, what the hell is this? But no, this film was definitely worth watching. It has such a unique feel and approach to its story. And a lot of the time, you just get this feeling of uneasiness, like you're in another world or in another void, or if you're just high on LSD, just watching certain things play out in a calm yet just really awkward and unsettling manner. A lot of this film just features characters talking or walking from point A to point B in situations that would leave the average person kind of bewildered, lost and confused. But it's executed in a really good way. The cast were really great, especially Dev Patel. There are some really fascinating and captivating visuals in this film. But it's the ending that really gets you. I was into the film, but I was just like, okay, this film is good, but I'm not, you know, crazy in love with it. But then when the ending happened, I was like, well, damn, okay, this just changed my whole perspective on the whole damn thing. That was some cool ass stuff. So yeah, I would say it's in my top five. Not quite my favorite film of the year, but it's definitely up there. All right, so at number four, we have Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. Mate, I have been looking forward to this film for so long. After the disappointment of that Iron Fist show on Netflix, I was looking forward to seeing a proper representation of what martial arts could look like in a Marvel film. And they delivered the goods here by updating certain elements of the Shang-Chi mythology, but also creating some of the best hand-to-hand -hand combat action that the Marvel Cinematic Universe has seen, bar none. And while the action definitely sort of devolves into the more familiar spectacle action that we've seen in the final act of Marvel films before, I do feel like it has a pretty compelling story one of the best villains that we've had in the MCU recently. A great cast, especially with the central relationship between Shang-Chi and Katie, and just discovering this new world and seeing just, again, such clean martial arts, man. So much hype. So yeah, Shang-Chi, it definitely fills in a void that I was wanting specifically. So that's why it's so much higher on the list. And then at number three, we have Dune. I had been looking forward to this film before there was any marketing for the film involved. I just knew once you had Denis Villeneuve involved and you announced that crazy cast, I was like, yo, okay, I'm in. And the crazy thing is, I saw Dune twice. And when I first saw it, I was enamored, but I was also just like, this film wasn't the crazy hype levels of quality that I was hoping for, but I was still into it. But after I watched it again, the more I started to think about it, the more I started to enjoy it. I think I really just enjoyed the aspects of Dune when it comes to its plot, its feeling. The fact that of all the sci-fi films I've seen in recent years, this is the first one that really felt alien. Just in terms of its aesthetics, the way in which the characters, the politics and the story all play out. And even though it's definitely set up for another film, 
I just think that the execution of it was pretty darn good. I like the cast. I adore the film score by Hans Zimmer, which was just crazy weird and wonderful with very distinctive themes that carried out throughout the film. And it just got me super excited to see where this second part would go. The film isn't perfect by any means, but once you've seen it, it just sort of leaves a great lasting impression where you just end up thinking about it more and more and more. Okay, so at number two, this was a tough choice, but I decided to put it at number two because I really wanted to take my hype out of the equation, and it is Spider-Man No Way Home. Mate, Spider-Man No Way Home was a session and a half. Watching it the first time was one of the most delightful experiences of my life. And it was the most hype I'd felt for a superhero film since the first Avengers came out. I think I can say that confidently. This film had a lot to juggle, taking the story elements from the previous two Spider-Man films while also inserting plot elements from the amazing Spider-Man films and the Raimi films. And the way in which everything sort of coalesced in a story that still felt central to Peter Parker of the MCU and just did so much cool fan service, great spectacle, great music. I was just happy. I was the happiest boy in all of the nine realms. This film satisfied every itch I could have ever wanted. And while there were certainly certain elements that you could, you know, criticize, I guess about the plot and some character stuff that I wish they'd gone into more, just the execution of the humor, the drama, and the performances of everybody involved, especially Tom Holland, I loved everything. It was a good ass time. Alright, and at number one, we have the surprise of the year in the form of Riders of Justice. Now, I'd heard about this film, I think, maybe a couple months ago, or maybe a bit more than that. I saw a review for it on IGN, and I'm like, what is this? It has a great title and it had Mads Mikkelsen in it and that was the main thing that revolved around in my mind until I saw it again on Amazon Prime I think around a month ago and it was like okay you know what it's on Amazon Prime let me finally give this a watch in good gravy this film was excellent it had such a unique and interesting story where you had Mads Mikkelsen playing a soldier who ends up going back home after his wife dies in a tragic train accident. And it seems like an accident at first, but then there is a mathematician who discovers that it might actually be a calculated incident. So him along with his friends get together with Mads Mikkelsen and try to figure out who's behind it and basically like, you know, see what the deal is. And the way in which this story plays out, it has such an interesting blend of comedy and drama, but the way in which it plays out, it just slowly progresses from being something fairly intriguing to be even more fascinating and gets even crazier when certain things start to blow up and just get crazier because you have stuff going on with the characters on one end of the spectrum, but then you also have the you know potential villains and how they factor into the film. There's the interpersonal relationships between Mickelson and his daughter, Mickelson and these new individuals that he's with, because his daughter and like the characters he's hanging around with and emotions run high and there is a lot a lot of emotion that goes through this film and some of it's funny and some of it's really odd and awkward but some of it is really heartbreaking and heartwarming and just by the time it's over you feel such a level of satisfaction it's an emotional roller coaster but it's the best kind and i watched it i think just 
as like Christmas was starting to roll around, you know, at least in early December anyway. And I'm like, wow, I found a new Christmas movie. It was unintentional that I planned to watch it around this time of year, but everything just sort of lined up in a perfect way for me. Riders of Justice is bloody amazing. And you guys should definitely give it a watch. It's one of my favorite new foreign films. And yo, man, Mads Mikkelsen killed it along with the rest of the cast, man. Definitely give this one a watch. Alright, so that'll do it for my top 10 of the year, ladies and gentlemen. What do you think? Have you seen any of these films or have you seen all of these films? And what is your top 10 films of the year? Please be sure to drop them in the comment section below or hit me up on Twitter where I am at Hypersonic55 or at FilmFocus55. Check out the podcast and all those places where podcasts can be found. And I will see you guys in the new year for some more film-related content and super fun time discussions. So until the next time, happy new year and uh, peace out. Mm-hmm.